0: Radio Shouty! Shout what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? of course you know it's your fault, Beehive Radio Shouty. And stepping in the building, I got a hip-hop legend, icon, trailblazer, and all of that good stuff. Greg, nice and nice and smooth, what's good with it, boss? Man, I'm chilling like Bob Dylan, happy to be here, looking down at the roses. Oh, I can definitely dig that right there. Now, I mean, Greg, how have you been surviving COVID-19 in these streets, boss?
1: Uh, just living every day like I've been living. Yeah, you know, I you know I ain't gonna get technical. I believe there's something out there, but you know what I mean. Yeah, there's nah. a whole lot of stuff out there. There's been out there.
2: Exactly, exactly. You know,
1: the TV is really crazy, <laughs> and the internet.
2: Come so, on
0: now. You no,
1: know, just keep doing what you've been doing. That's all I'm doing. And when God says time, then it's time.
0: Big old facts. Now I mean, Greg, can you take me back to the beginning of when you jumped off the porch? with this music? First of all, where did the love of music come from? And then with hip hop being in its emphasis stages back in that time, did you feel like this was something that was gonna make you a living legend?
1: Uh, as a kid growing up in New York, I mean, we were just doing that every day in New York City, man. Yeah. In the early 70s, it was just going down every day, man. You know, I got family in the South and different places across the country but they wasn't doing that. They, yeah. they, they wasn't out like how it was. And mostly everybody, if you didn't come from the islands, you came from the south. Everybody yeah. ran north. Or your grandparents, they was like, we got to get out of
0: this. Yeah. <laughs> we got we to
1: be able to move. You exactly. Know? And that's what they did. So when they did that, I mean, it broke the mold. But, um, you know, I'll come out, visit my cousins, and start breakdancing on the floor. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> this, this, this is called breakdancing. What? What is breakdancing? This is what we doing in New York.
0: My God! And, you know,
1: every summer, your cousins come visit. Exactly, you
0: know? and you over there just cranking it up, and they like, "What the
1: hell's going on here?" Yeah, yeah, and then, um, you know, it, it it was meant to be. Jumping you off know, don't the... don't make
0: mistakes. Exactly, jumping off the porch with dope on the rope, man. I mean, talk to me about that song and what was it like putting that thing together and just jumping out there into the game.
1: Um, I was actually already in the game before i even did that before we ever made a nice and smooth i was already there with tila rock with Ultramagnetic. magnetic we, we were doing a lot of things man mm-hmm. me and cool keith went to high school together mm-hmm. i mean i met tila rock and special k from the treacherous three in a house party mm-hmm. doing the human beatbox i was going all around the, uh, the city doing the beatbox this was new this was 1983 yeah 1984, so it was a good time and um eventually it Flourished into what it flourished into. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, there wasn't no internet. Yeah. You had to do that real groundwork. <laughs> it had to really
0: be popping. Yeah, you
1: had to do that groundwork. And we were going everywhere. Myself, um, I met Smooth eventually through a friend of mine. He was doing what he was doing already. Yeah. And we was running in the same circles. We just didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. And um, we were doing demos here and there. He was on the road with Bobby Brown. Bobby had just left the new edition. Mm-hmm. And I was already on the road with Rockmaster Scott. Uh, with Tila Rock. I was going all over the country, all over the world. I mean, I was leaving United States at a teenager, early days.
0: What was going through your mind when you was going overseas as a teenager?
1: Um, I knew God had a plan. Yeah. I knew God had a plan. I didn't know what the plan was, but I knew he had a plan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Still the same way I feel right now.
2: Exactly.
1: You know, I know I'm not immortal, but I feel like he got me regardless of whatever.
0: And got work to do. Yeah. You and Smooth B, man, when y'all linked up, was it an instant chemistry or was yeah. this something that y'all stumbled upon? Yeah,
1: it, it was an instant chemistry. A friend of mine, his name is Lance, Lance Romance. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lance did a lot of things. I can't even get in his story, but yeah. he uh, said, I got the guy, I want you to meet. Think y'all to hit it off. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, cool. So at that time, like I said, I was already on the road with Rockmaster Scott, with Tee La Rock, and all of them doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I had a buddy of mine in my hood that was a rhyming guy. Him and um, Slick Rick, they went to high school together. Mm. So I used to do the human beatbox for him while he's rhyming and stuff. And um, I had took him like to the Fearless Four house, the OC and Crazy Eddie. All these dudes was killing it. They had rocking it out and problems of the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, I got my man, he rhymes, you know, this that. and that, I do the beatbox with him. And I started doing that, and they started booking time and taking us into sessions and things like that. So by this time, when, I, when my man Lance Crib and met Smooth, it was my man june was with me too so we mm-hmm. was going to do a thing called nice Move, and love Ooh. and um later on that year uh my boy got killed he Damn. got shot and um you know after that it's like like his spirit jumped in me because i didn't want to do it. i didn't want to rhyme with him i just said let me do the beatboxing that's yeah. all i want it was new yeah it was it was going everywhere
2: Exactly.
1: I'm at the Disco Fever, the original Disco Fever, winning a Gong Show every Wednesday. They had this thing called a Gong Show. Yeah, like the TV show, the Gong Show. They was doing it at the Disco Fever. Yes, sir. I was winning. I was going to all these different spots, tearing it up, block parties, whatever. I went to one spot and um, in Harlem, mm-hmm. I used to go with my man Tito from the Fearless Four. Mm-hmm. Tito would come to the hood and pick me up. Everybody bugging like, "Oh, it's Tito from the Fearless Four. <laughs> so, and I'm going with him. We're going to these different parties and dudes is doing the beatbox and all that. Mm-hmm. He's like, yo, man, you should get in that contest. I'm like, nah, man. I started feeling like, nah, I'm with y'all. I, don't, I ain't got to get in no contest. I'm done. Yeah.
2: He
1: was like, yo, man, they got $100 in there, man. You got to get that $100, man. I was like, nah. So eventually I got in it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then you had to run off, back and forth, runoff, back and forth. And then me and this one dude was in the back and forth runoff, off. And um, then eventually I, I won. Mm-hmm. So I won the trophy and won the $100 and uh, homeboy's like yo give me your number man we got to stay in touch man and i'm like yeah 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 so start hooking up with this kid i bring him different spots with me i took him to the feed i was taking them everywhere and eventually he blew up he started doing this thing he used to be like we got to do a beatbox record i'm like uh, i don't <laughs> think that could work he's like yeah we got to do it man and one day i'm at latin quarters and he come to latin quarters and he like yo the sony walkman just came out the yellow one the waterproof yeah. joint he was like yo listen to this man listen he had a beat it was like, I'm like, oh, this is dope. He's like, yeah, man, I was just from Molly Ma, give me the beat and all this. Next thing you know, make the music with your mouth, biz. That dude, that was in a contest that was biz.
0: Oh my God, that's crazy.
2: So
1: We were all like, you know, in the whole thing going around. Yeah. So at that time, I'm like, I, me and Homeboy started doing more things because he'd be on the road with Bobby Brown, like on Mondays. Tuesdays they'll come back home off the tour. He was on tour, ready for the world. Yeah, he come home or whatever, and I go to his crib and be like, "Yo, check this beat out." He's like, "Oh, that's hot, man. Who did that?" I'm like, "Me. I'm getting ready to do this on my joint." <laughs>
2: He's like,
1: "Word, that's dope." I'm like, Yo, you want to rhyme on it?" He's like, What? Huh? I'm like, "Yeah, it would be dope. Look, nice, smooth. It'll be dope. Nice, smooth. Want to rhyme?" on it?
2: Oh. Then I
1: play another one. Like, "Oh, you want to rhyme on that one?" He was like, "Yeah." So, he was already doing his demos with Bobby Brown. Bobby yeah. was producing them. And I was already working with Fearless Ford and all these guys. So, we just did that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was at this record label all the time. Yeah. I was with Tina Rock and them. I was at Sleeping Back Records all the time. I would be in there using their phones. That's why I would go to call girls that I met from Jersey <laughs> or Connecticut or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because that's where you make the long distance calls. That's right. So, I was like, man, I'm going to their office. They'd be hanging there all day. <laughs> You know, so I seen dudes bring their demos. I saw EPMD bring their demo there. I saw when they came in there with their demo.
0: My God.
2: I saw
1: Marshall Jefferson come there with a demo of two groups that he had and they didn't sign it. And like a year later, I started hearing them songs. I remember the demo I heard and that was 10 city and CC Rogers. So like all of that, I was seeing already
0: Greg. as a person that has seen a lot of this stuff from the jump, first of all, I want to ask you about hip-hop and then the early, you know, birth of it. Did you think that it was going to turn out to be pop music by the end of it and the biggest music in the country? And then also seeing a lot of these artists before they blew, what was it about them that caused them to be able to blow up?
1: I didn't know it was going to be this big.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, didn't, I didn't know it was going to be this big, but I knew that people love it. Mm-hmm a lot of things you didn't know what was going to happen, not even just the music,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the way people live, Yeah. that it was going to be a computer, that it was going to be anything. So you didn't have no vision of that, but you did know that you love what you was doing. Mm-hmm. That's why you had so much originality, Yeah. opposed to today, where you could have success today,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it'd be, say if it's 100, you got 100 acts, 80 mm-hmm. of them are the same. And you are like, yo, boy, why are you saying that? Well, you're you disrespecting the young. I'm like,
0: no. <laughs> no, they sound the supposed same, supposed fool. you not say
1: that it sounds the same if it sounds the same? Exactly. So, you know, and anything that we did, it was always original as a people, as a people Facts. of
2: color. Facts. That's what made
1: us stand out. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wanted to do what we were doing. Yeah. So it kind of went to a freeze. Mm-hmm. The business kept going. The technology kept going. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the originality disappeared.
0: What so, do you think caused that?
1: Um, when, when they killed the DJ. They killed the DJ. Uh, I'm trying to think. What year was it? Maybe it was the late 90s they killed the DJ. Late, late 90s, early 2000s. They killed the DJ as far as... Um, I was at a radio station in New York. One of the biggest radio stations that made this music happen. Yeah. And I was there when um, they started servicing the DJs with a playlist. Mm-hmm. They start telling them, you, I see what you yeah, saying. take this. You can't play, play this. Mm-hmm. What you mean? The way hip-hop made it to where it was was because DJs. So say if it was the hottest DJ out here at that time, it could be Nabs or anybody. Yeah. It was the hottest DJ that's in Ohio, the highest DJ in, in Greg Street, yeah. in California, yeah. and just all these different people. Whoever that DJ was and you seen them, you're like, hey, man, how you doing? I'm, my name is Joe Blow. Yo, check this out, man, my joint. Joe Blow go home because, one, it ain't playing every day on mm. the radio because they didn't think that music was going to last. So it was always mix shows just on the weekend. Exactly. So if I'm on the radio from 9 to 12, okay, I'm home. I got this record. I'm Red Alert. I'm mm. whoever. Yeah, this guy just gave me this. Let me hear it. I'm playing it in my bedroom before I hook my setup, before I get to the station.
2: Mm-hmm. <ấp> <characteristics> like, what the?
1: <laughs> oh, oh I'm, I'm playing this tonight. Yeah. Go her? Everybody driving around like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's, what is this one? <FBE sounds> Do the dreams Just going on and on yeah. Everything just was different Rock the bells Everything was just all over the place My God. You know what I mean Yeah. So yeah. those records Most of them was on independent labels mm. Those wasn't the records That was sending that envelope To the people I feel that. So now if you're looking at the one stops A lot of people if you listening to this interview One stops where where the people, where the record shops bought the records from. Mm-hmm. So the distribution company would get the records to the one stops. So they would have a list, like in the top 50 things that's selling from that one stop.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: if you look at it and it'd be like, Stephanie Mills, what you doing, with my lovin'? MCA Universal Records. You're looking at da 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 da, blah 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 records. Mm-hmm. You're looking at da 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 da, Fantasy Records, the show, Lottie who Who is this? I'm looking at this because now it's in Texas, it's in Cleveland, it's in Atlanta. It's in, mm-hmm. Who is this? I don't know this. Know every other record label. is on Warner Brothers, um, Columbia. All of these records were independent. So they're like, what record is killing my big record that I'm sending envelopes to the station for? Come on. what? Wh- who is this? Hey, I got to get in touch with these people. Hey, I'm da-da-da-da-da, Universal. I'd like to have a meeting with you. I want to do a distribution deal with you guys. So they started doing that. Yeah. Some of them was taking it. Some of them were saying, nah, like sleeping bags. Everybody was coming to them for distri- to do distribution. They was like, nah.
2: Yeah.
1: Why are we going to do that? We don't have crazy overhead. we putting the records out. These records got legs. Mm-hmm. So if a DJ got the record, the people going to love it if they loved it. As long as mm-hmm. he get a chance to play it. Mm-hmm. So what they did was stop that dude from playing that. And they don't come from this company or this company. That's in our system. Yeah, stop playing that. Play this. Yeah, here it used to be like a thirty-seven record playlist. Yeah, you hear thirty-seven different records a day.
2: That's about sixteen. it
1: started dropping, 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 yeah. dropping. It might be less than sixteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it
2: might be less than sixteen. It might be
1: ten. You know, they always have rotation, so we ain't gonna get it mixed up about them not having rotation. it yeah. always been rotation yeah but it's been minimized to the point where be 10 songs you know that's it
0: exactly
1: and they came from it could be malacca records slash atlantic slash warner brother it Mm -hmm. gotta have one of those yeah if it's doing that facts because i don't care how much they love it if you ain't giving me an envelope it ain't gonna get that much burn Mm -hmm. but that was the difference from back in the day
2: yeah yeah. You
1: know, like I said, a DJ get a record. Soon as you hit a grab it and put it on, <coughs> I came in the door, said you like, oh
2: <laughs> <laughs> check out my melody.
1: <laughs> you could just go on and go on.
0: Hip hop junkies. Yeah. When y'all came with that one right there, that was another one of those songs that had a totally different sound. Yeah. It integrated that new jack swing with that hip hop, which was a new thing at the same time. Yeah. Talk to me about creating that banger.
1: Um we knew that was going to do something. Yeah. We knew it was going to do something. Uh, Smooth had found the original of the Partridge family, mm. and he brought it to me. He was like, yo, gee, do something with this. I'm like, all right. So him, come over here. Same day.
0: Listen, he's like, oh! Wait a minute, you produced that drag?
1: I produced majority of See, I
0: knew that you was a rapper, Greg, but I didn't know that you was one of the coldest producers as well because that track on Hip Hop Junkies is just one of those ones. So talk to me about the production side of it from when you got that sample and then you said, let me chop this thing up.
1: Uh, Like I said, I always been doing the beatbox, always been Mm -hmm. at the jams, always been with all of the dope DJs in the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. and you always had that feeling. Yeah. Like I said, God, don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. He know what he's doing. He's like, this is what you're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So that feeling, I had that feeling. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it wasn't, oh, let me get this producer. Or, you know, you couldn't get these certain producers at that time. Mm-hmm. Everything a lot was independent, especially if it was coming from a hip-hop state. Mm-hmm. R&B and all of that was at a whole nother level. But coming from that hip-hop state,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and then the guys that's like before me, as far as, Commercially, like Melly Mel and these guys, they're from the same neighborhoods, but a lot of their records were produced by bands.
2: Mm.
1: We didn't have access to that. <laughs> we had access to, I learned different samplers and machines before that were only sampled for two seconds. Mm. I learned that from Curtis Mantronic. Mm. I learned a lot from Mantronic from going to the sessions when he was producing T La Rock and Just Ice. And I learned a lot from that. Um, Always been a guy to just sit there and acknowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, tell a lot of people, you don't gotta ask a million questions. Just sit and watch Mm -hmm. and learn that way. Mm -hmm. But no, teachers on some people just gotta ask you a whole bunch of questions. Exactly. But that always been that. So when we were doing it, Mm -hmm. they didn't have no budgets. Like saying, yo, here's your budget. Mm -hmm. Because they was rolling the dice. They were rolling the dice on us.
0: So when hip hop junkies hit though, and it was going crazy across the country, what was that experience like?
1: That was, uh, that was another world, because that was our second album mm. when we did that one. Um, the first album was at Sleeping Bag Records, mm-hmm. and um, then Sleeping Bag Records went bankrupt. Mm. while well, they had like three number one albums out on the charts.
0: How the hell that happened?
1: I guess I don't want to pay nobody. Ugh.
2: Not so, even a damn textbook.
0: Yeah, they look,
1: <laughs> I went to the office. This is honest to God's truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Went to the office because we was getting ready to do a video for this next single.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We get to the office. You get off the elevator. Imagine you get off the elevator here. Mm-hmm. This desk and the phone is in the hallway and, and there's a padlock on the door <laughs> and a Marshall sticker. <laughs> And the president of the company just sitting at the desk on the phone in the hallway. Damn. Yeah. It got like that. And then, you know, they sold a lot of things. They sold a lot of the other, because they had a lot of dance music. Yeah. Joy Sims, All in All, Summertime, No Sarah. Mm -hmm. They had had all of them big dance records that was going crazy. Yeah. But a lot of the dance artists didn't have full albums. Mm -hmm. And at this time, it was 88 hip-hop started breaking the mold. Mm-hmm. It started busting through like a whole bunch of it to the point where Warner Brothers or whoever's like, we need something that we have a whole album of. Mm. And they came in and um, they sold the label. I mean, they sold the sold, like, top artists at that time, which was us and EPMD. And uh, they was bidding with different labels, Capitol, just a bunch of different labels. Mm-hmm. And then Russell Simmons came in was like, I'll take both of the groups. XYZ a Z, a million dollars for both groups. It was like non-recoupable. I Mm. didn't know what non-recoupable meant at that time. And I'm like, oh, what? (laughs) So we went to Burt Padell's office, Mm -hmm. which was the biggest accountant for all of the hip-hop guys. And we did the deal at Burt Padell's with Def Jam. And that's what happened.
0: What was it like being on Def Jam with all of those legendary artists at the same time, too?
1: It was great then because Def Jam was a family then. Mm Mm-hmm. Def Jam had one office, Mm -hmm. you could walk in the office and see your contract laying on the table. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't one of those, you know, you had people that worked there like Marjorie Clark and Heidi Smith that was like mommies and aunties to you. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't where you had to have security at the door to get in and it was none of that, man. And this time, it was really, really, it was Def Jam, it was a family. Yeah. And Def Jam was definitely a part of Rush Management, which was ran by Russell Simmons and Leo Cohen as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So they had like Def Jam artists, then they had Rush Management. Mm-hmm. So not everybody from Def Jam was on Rush. Mm-hmm. They had other people that were signed to Rush Management as well. Brand Nubians, the Tribe Called Quest. Uh, yeah. We could just go on and on. Everybody was signed to Rush Management. Mm-hmm. So it was like this side of the office is the management, this side of the office is the record label. Yeah. You could just go there any time in the day and be like, Yo, I got the idea to do it like this. Let's just do it that way. You know. Yeah. But, you know, eventually they became corporate because they came into a situation with Sony mm-hmm. where things wasn't going well with Sony and they had to find another home. And when they did that, they sold half of the whole company to Universal, which changed the whole hip hop game. Because none of those labels had as many prominent, dominant artists as Def Jam had. Mm -hmm. You'll have an MCA, they'll have maybe a Heavy D. Mm -hmm. You'll have this one that'll have a such and such, but you didn't have a conglomerate.
0: Exactly.
1: They bought that whole thing. So when they did that, they brought that brand, that stamp, they brought LL, Cool J, they bought everything that was superstars already. Yeah. And um, once they did that, they changed it to the Universal Music Group. Started calling it the Universal Music Group. And it moved into a big building, a big corporate building, and it was over after that.
0: What was it like when the corporation started to take over hip-hop and you realized that it wasn't the same thing that you grew up doing and now this thing is a big money game now?
1: Um, I guess eventually the finances was going to get there because a lot of guys of our time, they made money, you know, a lot of them didn't know what to do with the money. A lot of them, it wasn't a blueprint yet. Mm-hmm. Where's a blueprint now? Yeah. People that made videos to show you on YouTube where they messed up. They got mm-hmm. behind the music, showing you who was on drugs or yeah. who didn't know that they should have signed this paperwork. Yeah. You know, so it, it was. It was. It's so, a learning experience.
0: Exactly. Sometimes I rhyme slow. Sometimes I rhyme quick. Another yes. bop. That thing went crazy as well. So, I mean, talk to me about the music. And when you are knocking them out of the park in the group, what are you thinking to y'all sales when you thinking, we're going crazy out here. It's our time. What was it like when you realized that it was y'all time and y'all had hit that tipping point to where y'all were nationwide stars?
1: Hmm. Um, we were humble. Mm-hmm. we were humble, um, and we were learning.
2: Mm.
1: You know, we was in our 20s, and, and we were learning. Mm. But we knew that we was blessed. We may have disagreements on things, mm-hmm. myself and, and Smooth,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: at the end of the day, if we had a million dollars on this table, and I ain't come here to two months, mm-hmm. that million dollars will still be there on that table. That's right. Or we'll never let somebody dog each other out like, Yeah, you can say what you want to say about him, but yeah, 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 I ain't with that, and vice versa.
0: Exactly. So we
1: were going through that, and then at the same time, we were breaking the mold, Mm. because at that time, when we did that song, (laughs) it changed a lot of things, Mm -hmm. um, as far as being out of New York. That's all you wanted to do, was be like the joint in New York.
0: Exactly.
1: I I don't care about anywhere else, but as long as I'm the joint in New York. Of course. And then when we did that song, when that single came, yeah, it, I would
2: enjoy
1: it. It changed because everywhere else, it was that was bigger than New York. That was um, when we started seeing it go up on the billboard. And uh, one day we were at MTV, mm. and um, this time MTV would only play two rap videos like at a time.
2: My God, it wasn't
1: like how this thing is now. It was only two rap videos at a time, mm. and uh, we were there with one of the reps from Columbia because that's when. Def Jam was with Columbia, mm-hmm. which is Sony. And um I was talking to this guy's name is Mark Kaneem, and he was saying, hey man, somebody's get ready to be added to uh the such and such on the Zim TV. Like, what, well, that's crazy. Who's doing that? Somebody that's in this room right now, and <laughs> we're talking with, is gonna be added to this. I'm like, huh? Nah. And at this time. In the Bronx and in certain parts of New York, you didn't didn't have cable. There wasn't no cable, so you you couldn't see MTV. Yeah, you know, you know, you had to go somebody's house that lived in a nice house in Jersey, a Long Island, (laughs) that they family had money that you see it. But we had local. We have video music box. Yeah, Uh, one love to Ralph McDaniel's. Yes, sir. Uh, His story is really amazing. Mm. But um, yeah, man, um, I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna see it. Maybe I gotta go to one of these girls' houses somewhere. I gotta see how I'm gonna see it. Yeah. So they, they started wiring certain buildings. Certain buildings started getting wiring. You see in the cable companies outside, like, yo. Yeah. In the area that I lived in, mm-hmm. they was they was putting the cable in. So with stayed at was no cable in. I had got it. hmm So I was in my crib, word to God. I was there all day. I used to just come outside at night. Yeah. In the daytime, I didn't come outside because I was always outside till five in the morning every day.
0: Exactly.
1: So I was like, the freaks come out at night. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, you know, I'll come home and, you know, parking in New York City is scarce, unless you live in the suburbs. Yeah. So I was coming home, man, messed up. (laughs) I had to look for parking spots. I'm like, man, F this, man. I just leave my car in front of a hydrant, in front of a school. I'll come out like three, four o'clock in the afternoon. There's school buses around like nine parking tickets sticking in a, in a, in a window wiper. <laughs> I'm taking them joints, throwing them on the floor, Get in the car, keep on going. I was doing it every day.
0: So you weren't giving a damn every day. I was doing it every
1: day. <laughs> and um, next thing I know, I'm chilling in the crib one day. I'm like, I'm like, that thing going to come on a day. I could tell it's going to come on. And I'm looking at um, Guns N' Roses, November rain was mm-hmm. on. There's the video when they was having a big wedding and throwing drinks across the table. Yes, sir. And it went off, and I'm like, it's gonna come on. My hand to God. Smoking a blunt, So <laughs> All I seen was a finger going with a gun spinning. <laughs> I said, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Hold on, I gotta beep smooth. Oh. Beep, 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 beep. Yo, what's up? Yo, that, that that thing came on, man. Huh? The thing came on on what's the name? What? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I see. Like I got hang up. I got. I finish. watching twat. this thing. <laughs> Three hours later, again.
2: Ooh.
1: Then in the morning, then I spoke to the dude at the Columbia. I'm like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Oh, it's in light. Let's get ready to go heavy, though." I'm like, "Oh yeah." Cause when we started getting like to here and the radio stations here and all of that was playing that, we was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, and the Carolinas,
2: uh,
1: the Carolinas, Carolinas and Philadelphia broke nice and smooth outside Mm. of New York city. And then California after that, then California and everything else in the middle just started happening from that way. Mm -hmm. But the Carolinas is a beast
0: what was that like when you realized that y'all were nationwide superstars and now y'all traveling in the country doing y'all thing man
1: um it was fun because uh this time you know if you had a, a tour bus that held 12 people i would take 17. <laughs> i was taking the homeboys out of the neighborhood to see different things i was exactly. like i want you to see that you can do something else yeah we don't all gotta do the same thing, but it's an opportunity to do something else. Mm-hmm. And at the same time you were growing and we was learning too, cause you was learning from these dudes, like you can't put everybody down. Yeah. You know, cause these dudes are burning a bridge and they don't say their name, they say your name.
2: My God. You
1: know, when you're pulling over at truck stops to get something to eat and they're stealing all of the food out of Bob's big boys, you're like, yo, we got a pa You know, you're making money. Why you you stealing? And this time, you know, you got to think, early 90s, uh, late 80s, racism
0: was real. Now they
1: bugging right now, racism <laughs> was crazy then. <laughs> it was really crazy.
0: Exactly. You
1: know, a lot of people think that, yo, if you was up north, that it wasn't no racism. I had a buddy of mine that's from South Carolina tell me that at the barbershop. Yo, you don't know about racism, you from New York. I said, you ever been there? He's like, no. I said, you can't tell me nothing, man.
2: Mm.
1: I said, in grade school and high school, it was getting chased. My white boys with sticks and bats. My God! Every day, I said, "You seen Bronx Tale? You seen when they was riding <laughs> down the street? You see what they was saying? Niggas, get your ass back down to Webster." Yeah, all day long. I said, "You never heard of Howard Beach? You never heard of Yusuf Hawkins?"
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Come on, man. It, it was going on. I mean, Twelve Years a Slave. Where they took him from?
2: Exactly. <laughs> I mean.
0: Mary J. Blige, you remind me getting on that jam, getting on that jam right there. What was that like? Because that's another one of those classics as well.
1: Um, we were doing the movie Strictly Business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was myself, uh, Puff, um, Andre Harrell. And we were sitting in the uh, office. We was talking about this Jeff Red record he had. Mm. Jeff Red record. This Jeff Red. I'm like, yeah, that joint is high. But I'm like, that other thing with this girl, mm. it's gonna be the joint. He's like, you think so? I'm like, word. He's like, if you think so, you can you, you need to be on this then. If it is you, you you are uptown. That's how like Andre used to talk. Motherfucker, come on, baby. You know what I'm saying, baby? <laughs> hey, hey, you you are uptown, baby. That's yeah. how Andre used to be talking this shit. He's yeah. always just jiggy about it. <laughs> He's like, all right. So uh, I was like, yo, call homegirl. Tell her come downtown. Meet us at the studio. So told her to come. Me and Puff went down the block, the Hit Factory. Tony Dofat, Fat. And then homegirl came. Because nobody knew her yet. Like, nobody mm-hmm. knew It was just like, homegirl with bubblegum jeans on. <laughs> no pockets on the back. You know the <laughs> bubblegum jeans? <laughs> so I'm sitting there and shit, music playing. I start rolling the blunt. Me and her smoking and stuff back and forth. I was like, I got it. She's like, you wanna say your name? I'm like, nah. She's
2: hmm. like,
1: why not? I'm like, this is your record. You're gonna be a star, man. You gonna be a star. She's like, you think so? I'm like, you're gonna be a star. My God. And she's like, you know what, you don't gotta say your name. When people hear it, they're gonna know it's you anyway, as soon as they hear it. And we did it. Boom. I was on the road. We was in, we was in Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina, doing the Carowinds. Like we would go to Charlotte and say we had three shows there that weekend. Mm-hmm. This one, street money was out there a lot. Mm-hmm. So, some guy with street money would get in touch with the road manager <laughs> and be like, yo, could y'all come to my spot in Sheraw or, or little spots like that? We was like, yo, you got this much money? Exactly. It was like, man, that's nothing. Dudes would come to the hotel. This one, the red roof ends just open. It yeah. was brand new, crispy. <laughs> that was the place to be, like you yeah. Open the bag, you got 7,500? Yeah, that's nice. Everybody just started doing it. So we'll yeah. never leave. We'll be out there for like three weeks. <laughs> Working. we we'll would just be there like three weeks. We'll have the bus drivers just stay in, in his room, sleep, whatever, call the bus company, extend the stay, and mm-hmm. just do that. So uh, we had did this carowinds one night. That's when the high schools graduate. They have their prom at this amusement park in, mm-hmm. in Charlotte. And uh, we did that, we did two nightclubs, and got back to the hotel. Like I tell you back then, it'd be 15 dudes with us. Yeah. So we'd have all of the rooms on the whole floor with all the doors open. Back then, you could smoke in the hotel. Yeah. You could do everything. So um, My God. we had like clock radios on the table.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the um, girl was telling me, she was like, man, I love your song with the girl. And I was like, what, what song? What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. And um radio came, plate came on and the song came on. She that song. We was like, oh, Shorty joint coming out. Oh, you know, so we was gone for a long time. By the time I got back to New York, that's what, everything was going on. And that's when Puff at call was like, yo, you got to make the video. Come on, were you around? I'm like, all right, I'll be there. I went like 2 o'clock in the morning to the shoot, wherever they was. I went there like at 2 in the morning and did it at 2 in the morning. It was like putting his Brooklyn shirt on me. And shit. I'm like, yo, I'm from Uptown. Man, the Brooklyn is going to look hot, though. Put it on. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yo, put it on. I'm like, all right. <laughs> we put it on, and um, we did it. Left and went back on the road again. Next thing I know, I was in Jamaica. And I'm um, in a hotel, and I'm looking at the TV, looking at BET. Like, it was Video Soul or something.
2: Like, oh, <laughs> came it is. The
1: then by this time, um, the first summer jams just started happening. Mm. K-M-L, KMEL in California in the Bay Area, mm. started doing them summer jams mm. before any station, anywhere. Mm. They did it. And theirs was for 48 hours. These summer jams was two days long.
2: My God. And you
1: had so much diversity on it. Like that's, that's what's missing, like, you know, and a lot, of, a lot of younger people that didn't see it or been around. That's the first thing they say when an elder say something is that you're a hater or you're mad. I don't want anybody <laughs> younger to understand that that's not the case.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, myself and a lot of my peers and people I know are proud that it expanded to where it was expanded to. People are getting finances and being able to take care of their families. It was just, uh, it's okay to, to, to have freedom to do what you want to do. Don't worry about what the mass is saying that you're doing or this don't sound like that. Because that's the issue. Because Tracy Spencer was on that show that we did at that Summer Jam. Mm. Um Sir Mix-A-Lot. Yeah. MC Hammer. Cypress Hill. Yeah. Queen Latifah. Mary J. Blige. I could just go on and on. Mm. Ghetto Boys. It was naughty by nature. It was just all different sounds of, of uh, music the world. that was on it. Yeah. And, and that's what made it beautiful.
0: When you think about... That Uptown, man, Andre Horrell, Puff Daddy, Mary J. Blige, all of those artists, Jodeci, what was it like being in that mix?
1: Um, It was like a family.
0: And did it feel like it was some legendary stuff happening at that time too?
1: It was just love happening. Mm. And it was love. When you're having love, the outcome, you never know what it's going to be. Yeah. Like now there's a blueprint.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to do this like this. I'm gonna do this like this. Mm-hmm. We were making this. We were creating this lane. Yo. Now that there is a lane. Now there's a lane. There's so many people that I know that was at a lower, lower level that's at major levels today. Exactly. That will hear about it. they be like, you know the guy that's the, what's the name of the liquor company? You know this person named Sutterda? I'm like, yeah, I know him. Used to be an intern And what's the name with us. <laughs> huh? Well, yeah, he's the boss. So, you know, that vision,
2: mm-hmm.
1: everybody wanted to have success,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but like I said, it was no blueprint yet. Mm. It was a golden era.
0: the Rhymes, you won't tell, I won't tell. Getting in there with that boy Buster, what was that like? Um,
1: I knew Bust all his career. Mm. I knew Bust. Uh, I was an inspiration to Bust. Mm. You know, so. That was inevitable. Yeah, that this was gonna go down. Um, he presented a situation to me when he got on his feet, when he got in a position, mm. and um, I partake for a little bit. I went to the sessions. recorded it maybe two or three songs.
2: He
1: mm-hmm. we was doing a production on, and you know, he's like, "Yo, Nelly, I need you to roll with me." You know what I mean? I got it going <laughs> right now. I know you can do this with this person or that person, mm-hmm. but ain't nobody gonna do it as ill as fast as with me. And, you know, we went. And, um, like I said, something just made me go a different direction. Mm-hmm. And the next time I seen him was a month later because I was at a session and I never came back. And he was like, Nelly, I love you so much because when you don't like some shit, you just don't fuck with it. <laughs> and um, that's what happened. I Originally, I was supposed to rap on the um, the uh, Dangerous song. It's supposed to have been the Dangerous song that mm-hmm. he did. And he was playing the beat, and we were sitting there, and I was like, That's the ET beat from ET. ET.
2: <laughs> I, like,
1: uh. I was like, You got a different one? Like, let me hear it. And he played. I'm like, We could do that. And we just did it right there. So that's what happened. And it happened to be a b-side of a, one of them singles exactly so it didn't come on album so people didn't know but that we did that and did a visual it could be a, a great song, exactly. the song as far as worldwide is concerned but um, a lot of people like from Asia and all of that stuff they mm. they love all that stuff they be making their own homemade videos <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's another thing, too, you learn um, during this experience. When you go out of this country, Mm -hmm. there's different things that people like. You just be, like, bugging out. You know, over here, like, for example, when you're in Japan, it was a couple of years ago, was out there. It was myself, Grand Puba, Evil D from the um, Beat Miners, um, Lupe Fiasco, um, Lauren Hill, uh Ziggy Molly and the Melody Makers and Kanye West. It was all one show. My God. Because they like everything. They were like, last night I'll go see Parliament <laughs> last night. You know, what <laughs> Bernie Rorell, he was on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. How old are you? How you know all of this? Because they love it. Japan loves it. Germany, they love it. Yeah. And um they love music. What is
0: it like experiencing that love from all of those different cultures though, G. yeah
1: uh, a lot of people I know, they stay. Yeah. J. Ruder Damager, he been in Germany for over 10 <laughs> years. Ain't going nowhere. Donald D. from uh, the Syndicate with Ice-T in him, he out there in Sweden or Switzerland, somewhere. Yeah. They like, yo, I love it. But J Rowe from the Alcoholics, they was out there for years. So, you know.
0: That's crazy. Now, when we think about New York hip hop, when you saw Biggie, pick up that torch and start doing his thing. What was your impression of a young biggie coming into the game doing his thing?
1: Um it was already like a blueprint already rolling. Uh, and, and it was a stat quo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially if you was coming out of New York. It was it was a stat quo that you had to be at. I mean yeah. you had to be at a certain level.
2: Yeah.
1: It was almost like going to Showtime at the Apollo back in the day. You know, you ain't doing yeah, it You ain't on that did, level. Yeah, they just go back, boom. Yeah. Like, yo, you didn't give me 10 minutes to get into it. Man, so I don't man. care. Yeah. I didn't get it in the first two. Got to go. Yeah, so
0: um,
1: it was meant to be, man. Um, I had situations and times with that brother as well, um, with Tupac as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they would both be in my hotel room at the same time. I'm smoking them all out. Because at that time, <laughs> you know, I had it all day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I, I had it. I had it, there's so many guys that I've put on to things that I've had, Yeah, like from Method Mans to Busters to you name it. Yeah, they, They've all sat in my, in my bedroom in my house and, and did what we do. So um, we spent one beautiful day together though. Myself, Pac, Big, they all came to my hotel room. He's at the uh, Universal Hilton. Mm. Universal Studios in LA. Yeah, and uh, we all jumped in. a uh, uh, Tupac had just got uh, one of those square Cherokee jeeps, mm-hmm. and this dude was always driving with no shirt on and no driver's license. <laughs> That's all the time. Yeah, and we went to his crib. He had just got a new little crib, mm-hmm. and uh, we all in the living room. He goes in the kitchen and start pulling out steaks and all of that, putting it on the grill. He go in the room, start pulling out all kind of gats. Yo, look, I got this one, I got that one, I got that one. And we sit in the living room, and I remember Big kept telling me, Yo, Greg, just rhyme, just, just say a rhyme. I just love hearing your voice. Just say a rhyme, just say a rhyme. Yeah. And then we just started all rhyming in a circle in the house. It was a, it was a great day all the way to that night.
0: When you think about those cyphers, man, and just the flavor that y'all was kicking at that time, did you realize that? You was an OG to two young legends that would never really get a chance to experience the longevity that you were able to experience?
1: No. No, no, not at all. I mean, again, we we're doing everything because you loved it. But love. You did it because you loved it. I let somebody else say, yo, you the OG. Yo, you a legend. You this or that. I let somebody else say that. Mm-hmm. because I, I'm just a vessel. I feel you. I'm just a vessel. God got this.
0: When you first met Park early on with Nice and Smooth and then taking him out on the streets with y'all, man, what was that like? And what was that young Tupac like at that time when y'all were showing him the game?
1: He was the same.
2: Mm.
1: He was the same. Um, I remember one day I was driving in Harlem, of- And um, I was driving by the block, the back of the Apollo, Mm -hmm. and I seen Shock G. I seen him. I'm at the red light. Look, yo, oh shit, yo! He just opened the car door and jumped in. Yo, what we doing? (laughs) Yo, yo, Shock, see you later. I'm out. (laughs) And we just start driving up in Harlem. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I'm gonna go to the Bronx. I gotta go to Vance Wright's crib. That was Slick Rick's original DJ, Vance and Slick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, come on. Yo, I'm going to beat him? I'm like, yeah. So we riding. and We get off the exit of the Bronx on the highway. And he was like, yo, I used to go to school over
2: here.
1: Like, mm. You ain't run no school over here. <laughs> He's like, I'm telling you, get off, get off, get off. I get off the exit. We ride behind the building. He was like, see, I told you, I knew I used to go to school right here. I was like, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. So we started driving and I guess the Vance right, crib and he bugging So he see Vance and you know, he was losing his mind, man. He always was that person right there. Yeah. Even in the prime. So a lot of different guys, they believe the hype.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Chuck told you, don't believe the hype, man.
0: Exactly.
1: Same way like if you meet him, how he's just the most humblest person. Yeah. And that's the same way he was. It was a time I was riding across 145th Street in Harlem. Word to God, I seen Tupac leaning against the wall with this dude standing there by the meat, by the meat market mm. in a gas station in the hood on 145th Street. I'm like, yo! He's like, yo, what's up? I'm like, what you doing? He's like, yo, I'm rolling with you, what's up? He said, like, hold on. It was a homeless dude, he gave homeless dude some money. Yeah. That was just his thing all day long, man. I know dudes that I've done a lot of things with. Mm -hmm. when a person is your boy and they your brother they don't give you another dude's number to call them to reach them Mm -hmm. you have their direct contact with them I was in a situation where financially it wasn't all that great at one time Mm -hmm. and this guy was on top of the world Mm. and um, a friend of mine was like ain't he your man though I'm like yeah you need to get with them, man. I'm like, eh, I don't know. He's like, if he's your man, then. You know what? Information. 411. Give me the number to Death Row Records in Beverly Hills, California. Hello, Death Row Records. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I want to leave a message for Pop. Oh, yeah, what's your name? All right, cool. Boom. Me and my boy go down, go to the store. we riding. He was my man's pager number. He was like, yo, you know this number? I'm like, 310. <laughs> that's the new area code in West Hollywood. They just changed the area code. I yeah. remember. Because everything used to be 213. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 310. That's the, like West Hollywood. Yo, somebody paged me? What's
2: up, my I was like, yo, right now,
1: shit ain't going the where it need to be going. Yeah. He was like, get over here right now. I was like, I ain't got a $1,000 plane ticket. You don't want you to pay no plane ticket. Write this number down. Call back in five minutes. I was like, all right. Some white lady answers. She's talking. Uh, At 7 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, a two ticket. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Can Can you do it the next day? She was like, hold on. Okay. Two days later. My God. Right there. At a car service limo with the sign with my name on it, I'm laughing. I'm like, Ah, ha,
2: ha, goodness!
1: <laughs> I'm riding, and the driver's like, "You want to go through the hood or you want to go through the freeway?" I'm like, "What do you mean, Mister Knight?" Having me ask all the passengers which way, I'm like, "I don't know. Where are we going? Where are at?" It was like in a movie set in Pasadena. I was like, "All right, well, let's wherever we got to go." Yeah, I remember I turned on the radio on the back, and the C and C Music factories was playing. Ah, 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 man! I remember it clear as day. I'm just like. It's going down. It was cold when I left back home. Yeah. The sun was shining. It was hot as hell in Cali. I was like rolling out the window, like, "Yeah, baby." My homeboy was with me. He was like, "Yeah." <laughs> we get there. Check my little carry-on shoulder bag I had. I'm like, "What is going on?" They had like the FOI gang dudes and the, and the sheriff's department all at <laughs> hey, to one protect spot, you at the at the at the gate, and they yeah. made you dump your bag. I ain't had nothing in it anyway. Going in the back, cuz like, we got to take you to this holding area. It was just trailers everywhere. I'm like, Walker, who come running through one of the trailers? Ah, ah, ah.
2: he kept trying to
1: pick me up. Ah, I don't believe in you fucking game. He's like, yo, everybody's scared of my little ass, G. What mm. can I do to anybody? I can't hurt nobody. Look at me. No, know, so we go in the trailer and he just started talking another other stuff. He's like, how smooth doing? I'm like, he cool. He's like, that's cool, man. You call me, but what's up? I love him too. What you got on your last album at Def Jam? Let am gonna get you 50,000 more right now with me over here. Not on the new uh, Def Road we gonna do in the East. The one right here with all the beef. He said, your music is fun. You're just hip hop. Everybody love your shit. In Cali, New York, it's just fun. Yeah. We do your single tonight. Let me do the hook and let's just bug the world out. That was it. He was like, you don't smoke no more? I was like, yeah. You just sitting in the little trailer? I'm like, he's like, you don't act like me. <laughs> threw an ounce of the shit at me. My homeboy sitting there bugging out. He like, oh
2: shit. That's your man.
1: Oh shit. And the lady's like, "Yo, come on, we gotta go and do, um do a scene. So he's like, yo, I'll be right back. He's like, you hungry? I'm like, yeah. Bring my motherfucking food, whatever the fuck I want. You go out the trailer, my man jumps up and go, oh shit. Oh, shit, you really know him. <laughs> you really know him. Oh, shit. Oh, right. My man wasn't around, and our prime, So he,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he, he was fanning out like, a, like in a good way. He's like,
2: I'm like, yeah, that's my man. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. And then, um, then he told me, he's like, come back to the trailer. He's like, man, um, you roll it up. I look at my man is rolling. My man don't even smoke. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm smoking a blunt with two blocks. Fuck this. I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Yeah. So, and um, he was like, man, I miss New York. He was like, I miss New York. I miss Puerto Ricans. <laughs> He's like, I love you, man, because, you know, when you was hot, you let me hang out with you. Nobody knew me, man. Yeah. He, he said, nobody knew me. I was like, damn. He's like, remember that time when y'all took me to San Diego? At that big booty contest? I'm like, yeah, Rhyme Slow was the number one song on Billboard. And it was going crazy. It was big in California, bigger than everywhere else, that song. Mm-hmm. It was just bigger than everything there. And um, I'm like, damn, remember that night too? We did the wet booty, a uh, big booty, wet t shirt contest <laughs> for the radio station at yeah. the club. And they had us judging. <sighs> Man. We had an extra room too. We gave him key and shit to him and his boy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He was like, "Man, remember that shorty? You, you got the one at one." I'm like, <laughs> no. "He was like, I wanted that so bad, but I wasn't hot enough." Mm. Word of God, he was like, "I wasn't hot enough." <laughs> he was always just real, just like that.
2: Yeah. And,
1: um, from there on, it was just it was it was heaven, man.
0: During that time, kicking it with Park, when you linked back up with him, what was that? energy around death row like at that time and you being able to have a front row seat to the movement that was going it, on?
1: It was definitely some heat going on. Mm-hmm. And you gotta realize all of that stuff was going on because that same day I was there, he had a uh, one of those small televisions that have like a VHS connected to it, the mm-hmm. little one, he had one of those. And uh, he was like, yo, look what you missed yesterday. And he put in a video and it was X-rated like how do you want it? It was KC like and them, <laughs> yeah. everybody. They was like, he was like, yo, man, I was going so hard. I went hard till I fell out. <laughs> He's like, you missed all of this. I'm like, wow. He's like, yeah, he was getting it in. Then he put in this other tape. He's like, check this out. It was him doing a video about Biggie. Mm. He's like, yo. Over the drawer, over the drawer, he went to grab a gun. Instead of he grab a gun, he grab a Twinkie, something like that, or some video. It's out now, whatever. Yep. But he, he showed me that. I'm like, yo, you
2: crazy. Exactly.
1: He was like, yo, I'm going out. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> he's really, I'm going, this is <laughs> him. Exactly. Yeah, man. Yeah.
0: During was, that time. <laughs> crazy. Did it seem like his time was winding down? Did he feel like, because during that time he was also making a lot of music about his death and stuff like that. Was that something that he spoke about a lot, or was that something that you can kind of tell was in the back of his mind? Did he feel like, you know,
2: his death was
1: apparent? I don't, know. Was I a don't know if it was back in the back of his mind, but I would catch him uh, often like this.
2: Mm.
1: He was in the studio one day, and I was in a lounge part and had a glass just like this. Mm. This is where the board is at. I'm sitting over there, he's like, you know when you feel somebody looking, and we just both looked at each other, mm-hmm. and just started smiling like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, when we were doing records, like I did like six records, and um, he would have me do the music. Do the music. Do do the same way that you do Nice and Smooth. Do the same thing, mm. just, just, just do the music. And he'd be at the set doing the movie. He was doing Gridlock with Tim O'Roff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And every time he finished shooting, he'd come to the session, and he's like, yo, play what you did. I'll play B, he's like, yeah. Get a pad and he just started writing. He was like, do the hook. Do the hook on that one. I'm like, all right. Take that reel off. Put another reel. Take that off. Put another one on. He just kept doing just like that. Take it off. Do another one. Do another one. Like he was like stacking it up like
0: What was going through your mind when you witnessed the friend that you had from back in the day when you was popping in on top of your game, you showed him love, reciprocating that in real life and in real time, because a lot of times, that kind of stuff is never reciprocated. So for him Man. to be hock and going crazy on your tracks, what's happening? Man.
1: Like, Premier always tell me, and, and, and a couple of other cats, they like, you should produce more. Produce people. Mm-hmm. Leo Cohen told me that. Leo was like, yo, we was in a hotel in L.A., and uh, he called me. He was like, Todd is upstairs. He's going to come downstairs. Todd, Todd, is LL, Cool J.
2: He's
1: like, Todd's going to come down. He was like, I've been setting it up. You got to do tracks for Todd. Mm-hmm. You got to do. Like, he wanted me to do different things like that. So I can do that. Mm-hmm. I, I I know how to do it. I just never pressed on that. I never mm-hmm. run out and go, yo, I'm a producer <laughs> or do whatever. And uh, they was telling me that Premier was on the Drink Champs, and they was talking about something, and he was like, Oh no! I didn't produce that. Greg produced that. He produced that too. It was like what? Like how you said earlier. I didn't know. I just thought they they did the, the words. Yeah. He like, no, he did all of it. You know that type of thing. So, but um, you know, I mean, it it was love, man. It yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't. I didn't have an agenda. He didn't have an agenda. That's that's what's happening today. Everything is an agenda. Yeah. Are you getting with this person or hanging with this person because you think you're going to get something out of it opposed to just being pure. Yeah. When you be pure, it's going to come out anyway. Success is going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Financially, everything, it'll happen as long as you being pure and love what you're doing. Yeah. And who you're doing it with. So, you know, and then after all of that, my homeboy that I went out there with, the one that I said call him up, mm-hmm. even his life changed. What? Like, like to the point where. He is with one of the biggest video companies of today. Like they <laughs> done a lot of things. Uh, uh, Chris Brown's videos, Fifty Cents videos, uh, you name it, everything they doing. Rick Ross videos, they doing the the power T V show and all of that stuff. They directing all of that. The the new raising of Canaan mm. everything. So him and his partner, they started a company and they did a lot of great things. So
0: have you talked to him since, and what is the conversation when y'all reminisce over that time?
1: Oh, it's a good thing because he was down here one time, and he called me him and his partner, and um he's like, yo come meet me, uh, we're gonna have dinner mm-hmm. So we was talking, and um he had a young brother here that was with him too that's his main man, uh Shakespeare, you know Shakespeare? Yeah, 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 Shakespeare, yeah. That's, his, that's his man, okay. It's like all of that from messing around with me. All of that is where he's in that circle. That's what he's doing. Yeah. So he's doing a lot of good things. So,
0: when Part passed, how did that impact you? When you had just reconnected with him, y'all working, getting busy, and you, you know, you oh, back I, in I your serious,
1: group. I, I went. I just left to go home for a weekend. Mm. I went home to go to New York
0: for a weekend to rhyme on
1: a song with one of my young homeboys that was coming up. Mm-hmm. And he was signed to my other homeboy that used to be the vice president of Uptown and started his own label. Mm. His, Jimmy Love is his name. And Jimmy um, started his own label and he had an upcoming artist. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm a rhyme on the record, you know, I'm a rhyme on the record. And um, went to go do that during that time and while I was in New York, I stopped at smooth uh, crib and I told him, yo. Fox said he's, uh sent his love, and this, that, and the third. And we was talking, It's he he's like, yeah, hey, hey, that's good stuff. Let's go to White Castles. We <laughs> went to White Castles, and we was listening to the radio. And uh, all of a sudden, we heard Angie Martinez. And she started crying, and then the music just went dead. The radio station went dead, and I was like... She, eventually, she came back on and just said, you know, this guy was just gunned down in Las Vegas. It was like bugging, because Two of my homeboys were still there, cause I mm-hmm. left them at the crib out there. And uh, like every other weekend, they would go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know, even before the fight and all that, they would just go to the club that Sugar had. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was it. And then about a month later, I came down here to go see his mom, and then we did a memorial for him here, and did an event at the atrium. Mm-hmm. Um, that that, that, was, that was that was it. That was a that was a crazy time.
0: When you think about that time, and then you compare it to what's going on now, you know, when Tupac died, it was a shocker. It was like, how could you take somebody so great from us? In the last couple of years, artists have been dying almost every other month. Now, what do you think has triggered this? new rise in the death in hip-hop, and you know, why is it so commonplace right now?
1: Well, dying or being murdered? Murdered. Being murdered, I think a lot of got to do with your upbringing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of it got to do with not having an elder around you. Mm -hmm. Somebody with some kind of wisdom to tell you, yo man, it's been done already. You could do it another way, man. You could do it another way, because there's a lot of other people that's people of color that's getting money. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't hear about Denzel and no shootouts. <laughs> you know, we didn't hear about Prince and no shootouts. Yeah. We didn't hear about Babyface and no shootouts. Yeah. You know, things like that. So, and at the same time, you're killing your own brother. You know, and it's probably over something that could have talked it out. Or at the same time, you ain't got to be around that person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If they not taking no food out your mouth or harming your family, that's the only time I think is the time to really get violent to defend yourself mm-hmm. or your family. If it's something that you could walk away from, being premeditated. That mm-hmm. that that's it's a sad situation. And you know, I come from the ghetto. I come from from a time when it was real ghetto. I'm born in the '60s,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so like. The ghetto, growing up in, in, in New York at that time, you know, we lived in tenement buildings that go up to eight floors, you know, and sometimes yeah. you know we got snow and ice, real snow and ice when it was going on. Yeah, you had heroin, you had all kind of stuff going on, the rise of cocaine and stuff, you know, all of that. So it ain't the fact of yo I came from this. At the same time, that should just make you stronger. Mm-hmm. It's about the individual because we could grow up in the same house. Mm -hmm. And me and my sister or brother, we don't see eye to eye. But you know.
0: With all of the knowledge that you have now, what would you go back and tell a young Greg?
1: Now? Mm -hmm. Don't worry, it'll it'll all happen in due time. Mm. You know, that thing, right, imagine like they say you going to go to that party, and it's like the big party,
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: you get mad at your parents if they don't allow you to go to that party. Mm Because you think that if you didn't go to that party, everything was just over.
2: Exactly. But
1: then you go to sleep and you wake up and you realize the day still goes on. Yeah. You know, it'll be another one. So that kind of stuff, as far as like life, and mm-hmm. dealing with people and women and stuff like that, man, that, that part I, I would change. Mm-hmm. You know, I would change if I could. But um, it didn't break me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It made me stronger, so. No, you can try to make as many plans as you want, but God already got that plan written out. Thanks. He's laughing at you talking about your plan. He's like, that's cute. You, <laughs> no, I
2: got that's mine. true. <laughs> that's your <laughs> plan
1: already, buddy. Don't you worry. <laughs> Wasted all that time. Exactly. Enjoy this breathing.
0: When you think about going forward and then looking back, what was it that mentally kept you strong during the down times, man? When you think about that resilience to bounce back, what was it that got you over them humps?
1: Uh, Learning to love myself. Mm -hmm. Learning to know that everybody that say they down for you ain't down for you. Mm -hmm. And praying.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right.
1: (laughs) Praying, I do that more than I ever did. Exactly. You know, they have a pocket full.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the, the gas and the light bill paid two, three months ahead. I'm still praying. Exactly. Because, you know, there's no time limit. You don't know when you're going to go. Yeah. You could be at the gym working out, 101% health, and just go.
2: Still going.
1: He do an autopsy, and he like, I, I, what happened? He was clean, everything. He <laughs> was just, the guy said, hey, time the job is done. It's time yep. to go. So. That's for the most part.
0: When you think about life and just how crazy it can be, though, Greg, like you say, folks getting up out of here at the drop of a hat and stuff like that, interns going to, you know, the top, the heights of the corporate ladder and stuff like that, what is it that you think plays a role in everything? And so I'm going to really break it down to my favorite question i like to ask. Okay. Do you feel like everything that happened in your life is what you were called to do or do you think this is something that you were able to dictate along the way your will played a part in it? Or how do you think all of your success and experiences you know, happen?
1: I think it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And when I pray, I ask him to show me the way. Mm. Guide me down the right path. If I'm doing something wrong, forgive me. Mm-hmm. Show me where I need to go. And that's, that's how I live.
0: I can dig it. Lastly, anything you want to tell these folks? And how can they contact you?
1: Uh, well, everybody's on social media. Mostly everybody's on social yeah. media today. So I have an IG page. I have a Twitter page. Um, I have a Facebook page, a band page. I'm not on that much because... Uh, a lot of things that come up on the screen, I, I just don't want to see. I could be in a good mood <laughs> and you see something and It'll it just puts you out. in a bad mood, like it's, it's too much. Even yeah. the news didn't do that. You know?
2: Yeah, they yeah. give you
1: a little bit and the commercial come. This is just on and on. And then how everybody could Photoshop things now and making their own edited videos.
0: Exactly.
2: And
1: you're looking at some flowers and then the, you scroll up, next thing you know, somebody's head's blown <laughs> off. and. So I will be like, man, <laughs> look, <laughs> <laughs> I get on there when I need to get on there to do what I gotta do, yeah. and, and get out of there. But um, you can reach me um at the real Greg Nice. That's at D A R E A L G R E G N I C E at the real Greg Nice on all of those platforms. Yep, and um, I got a website as well, mm-hmm. uh, GregNiceOfficial.com
0: already. Greg, appreciate you stopping through this thing, boss. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wish you nothing but the best and much success. I
1: I love Bone and uh, he love you, so I love you.
0: Man, love. Be how ready yo shouty. Greg, nice. Holla at y'all in a minute, man. We go. That's right.